Active 911 is proud to partner with the Code 3 Podcast. Active 911 designs technology for first responders to help heroes save lives. Learn more at active911.com. There's always hurdles to overcome, no matter who you are. And so when you're one of the only people that looks like you on your department or on your crew, I think there's a lot of growth that needs to take place. Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me today in another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the information on a firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. On this show, we're going to explore some of the unique experiences of a firefighter who's in the minority on two fronts. She's a woman, and she's black. Yep, Jennifer Osborne is a 16-year veteran of the Clark County, Nevada Fire Department. That department covers territory in and around Las Vegas. Jennifer first became a paramedic in Colorado in 1999 before heading to the fire academy. So she's been around long enough to have gained some perspective on what it's like to be in a very small minority. In fact, she was just the third black female firefighter in her current department when she finished the academy. Jennifer has enjoyed her career. She's an engineer now, but as you might expect, there have been a few struggles along the way. Some more serious than others, and she'll tell us about them. Jennifer Osborne joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hi, thank you. So what made you decide to become a firefighter in the first place? That is, it's kind of a long road. I um, am not like a lot of people who uh, dream about it um, for their whole life. The funny thing is, I didn't even know that uh, women could be firefighters. I'm going to be 46 this year. And uh, when I was growing up, there just wasn't a lot of uh, visibility for, you know, women in the fire service, uh, especially women of color. And uh, so I went on the path, the career path of going to college and I was at Michigan State and then my parents got divorced. And so I had to find a way to pay for my own college education. And the best way that I thought to do that was uh, to go into paramedic school. And that was the first time it was ever suggested to me to, you know, like, oh, why don't you go into the fire service after you come, you know, become a paramedic. And I remember distinctly saying, oh, you know, like women don't do that. That's, that's not something that women do. And I just went ahead and graduated paramedic school um, in 1999. And then I went on to Colorado State to finish my bachelor's degree uh, in 2002. And uh, while I was in Colorado, I worked, you know, in an um, ambulance company, and one of the stations was in a firehouse. Through working with, you know, really close with the, with the fire department there, it, it started to perk my interest into the job. And then one of the firefighters there, he was uh, the only uh, black firefighter on the fire department. He started 
really encouraging me to look into it as a career. And uh, that's what I did. And I hadn't looked back. And so I took 14 tests uh, before I got hired. And then eventually in 2006, I started uh, Fire Academy for uh, Clark County Fire Department, which is in Las Vegas. Now, was the training academy difficult? Was it more difficult as a woman, do you think? I think everything is difficult. The, the Fire Academy that we have, we have a very high failure rate of everyone. It's, it, it's very difficult for everyone. I think if you ask anyone in my uh, academy class, there's not a single person that didn't think that it was difficult. I think that uh, firefighting comes down to size in general. I think that if you don't fit within certain parameters of size, whether you're too small or too big, um, I think if you don't fit within those parameters, there are some uh, difficulties that come with firefighting. I think that I have some attributes that made certain things easier for me than it did for some of my classmates. Like, I don't, I don't tend to get overheated. And so when we talk about, you know, like when people ask me, well, how do you do all that stuff? And, you know, how do you lift all the things and carry all that stuff? And how do you do that? I usually, my most common answer is, well, the, the gear is a game changer. So once you put turnouts on, most people lose probably, uh, I want to say it's anywhere from 15 to 30%, depending on, you know, how they acclimate to their gear. They lose 15 to 30% of, you know, like how much, you know, athletic performance they can give. And so in my mind, maybe it's just mental, but in my mind, if I don't get overheated and I don't have that loss, then that can make up for whatever difference in size. And I think when people are smaller, you have to have better cardio, you have to have better technique in order to, you know, complete the same task. And let me just say, of course, like I'm speaking from the perspective of I've only, you know, worked on the West Coast where it's lightweight construction. So I can't speak for the the people on the East Coast where, you know, it's heavier construction and all that. It, it might be somewhat of a different job, but I'm speaking about like, you know, pretty much on the West Coast. When you finished the training academy, did you find many other women of color who were already firefighters? When I got hired, there was two other black females that had ever worked for the department. So I was the third. There's always hurdles to overcome no matter who you are. And so when you're one of the only people that looks like you on your department or on your crew, I think there's a lot of growth that needs to take place. I'm not going to say that, oh, like, you know, nothing happened or nothing was said that wasn't like, you know, appropriate or whatever. But I think the way people handle those situations can make or break your career. And so I think a lot of the times when there's misunderstandings about different cultures or different things like that, usually it's just because people are, they're just uninformed. They just don't know. Usually it's coming from an innocent place. And so the person who might hear something or feel like they're being treated a certain way, I think they need to take that into consideration and, um, you know, like I have always said, open communication, usually between, you know, people who are having a disagreement 
is is the usually the best way to handle things and and if you ask anyone uh, you know like what answer they give about conflict you know whether they're applying to the fire department or taking a captain's test or a chief's test or whatever they will definitely give that answer they'll say oh well you know like let's go communicate but everyone knows like you know around uh you know, in, in normal life practices, usually that doesn't happen. Like what we say, and then we don't, we don't tend to put that into practice. And I think that that's one of the things that could get better is that, and and that's not just the fire department. I think that's, you know, everyone in general, I think that if people just weren't so afraid to discuss the differences, I think that that would solve a lot of problems, but the problem is the second you bring it up, people do have a fear of, you know, getting in trouble or, you know, like, is there going to be retribution, you know, because we are living in somewhat of a cancel culture. So with that said, it, it's kind of defeating the purpose of opening us up to each other and being more accepting to each other. And so I think, you know, on the fire department in general, if, you want to increase diversity you have to the first thing you have to do is increase communication it sounds like it i think it was that old seinfeld episode where they were talking and they kept saying yeah you know he's black yeah he's what he's black why are we whispering i don't know why i'm whispering but i don't want <laughs> yeah. to say it too loud and there's nothing wrong with saying that you know because if you say oh that person over there is black well they are black when it becomes a problem is when you start to make different decisions or make assumptions based on that. Like you say, Oh oh man, I have this woman on my crew and I don't know if she's going to be able to do any, you know, all the stuff. And, and the thing is the assumption should be, well, this person made it through a fire Academy. That means they have a baseline of skills that you, you know, like that they can perform. And so that's the baseline. And, And so that should be the assumption. However, it's, it's human nature to not do that. We, it's human nature to, you know, judge a book by its cover. And um, another thing that I usually tell people is, you know, the key, you know, because a lot of people say, well, why do we even need diversity? And my answer to that is because, you know, if you read statistics, diversity builds, you know, the best kind of teams and um, it increases production and it increases growth and ideas and all that stuff. And so when you bring in a whole bunch of people from different cultures, it, it definitely helps uh, whatever entity it is grow. And so I always use the analogy of a football team. So when you have a football team, it's a very diverse group of people and take race out of it and gender out of it. When you look at a football team, an offensive lineman doesn't look like a wide receiver. The kicker doesn't look like the quarterback. They all have the same job. They're all football players. They all have that same baseline of being able to run, catch the ball, tackle. They all have to be able to do that, but they all have specific positions that they play that, Hey, because of my physical attributes, I'm a little bit better at doing that, you know, but at the end of the day, even the kicker has to be able to tackle. And I always use the example that Adam Vinatieri, who's the the legendary kicker for the Patriots, when he was a rookie, he tackled Herschel Walker. So it it, it can be done. And so like, I think people, we just kind of need to grow and accept the fact that it, 
it does take a diverse team to get a job done. And when you look at the fire department, I mean, we don't, you don't want all guys that are 250 pounds, you know, and six, four, you, you don't want that. You want a mixed group of people in order to make that team complete. And so when you start looking at a bigger pool of people, then that's how you build diversity. You don't just want to get diversity for diversity's sake. You don't want to just say, okay, well, we need to hire a bunch of women and then just hire a bunch of women. You want to make sure that you're picking, just picking from a larger pool and then that diversity will come. I'll be back with more right after this. Looking to decrease your response times? With Active Alert, get calls straight to your phone from dispatch via the app. Available for Android, iPhones, and tablets. Plus, get directions to the scene, have all CAD notes in one place, see who's responding, and quickly identify nearby map markers like hydrants and pre-plans. With a low per-device price, Active Alert is a must-have tool for first responders. See for yourself why it's trusted by thousands of firefighters nationwide. Start your free trial today at Active911.com. So what have you found to be a challenge about this job? I would say the greatest challenge for me is personality-wise is I don't tend to be the most mechanically minded person sometimes. Like sometimes um, when something has to be broken down, that's not an easy thing for me. And so I tend to pick partners who that's their strong suit. And then they usually have a, a weakness in more like, there's no nice way to say it. they're in like more like kind of like cognitive, like thought, like out through a process. And so then together, usually like, you know, that makes a good team. But I would say that would probably be the greatest struggle for me was, you know, learning just mechanical wise stuff, like, because just I think that that you know, in general, I mean, obviously there's women that build stuff and all that stuff, but usually when you're a little girl, you know, your dad's not out in the garage with you putting cars together and stuff like that. So I didn't have that. And I think that that's a really good asset to have for firefighting. I, I think in general, not just women, I think in general, because of uh, we're getting a lot more, you know, tech savvy young people, we're losing that. And I think that that's something that we still need to maintain in the fire department. So I would say that was the biggest struggle. And then after that, it would be um, just acclimating to life around the station, because I think that the fire department culture is so different from a lot of things uh, in life that most people experience. And I came into it not really knowing a lot about fire department culture. It was a big wake up call for me when I got on the department. Cause I never did rides. I never, you know, like really like understood firehouse life. And so that was, that was a big adjustment for me. So tell me a little bit about that. I know some houses have had a problem because they've never had women in there. And then when they got them, they had to make adjustments. So, so how, how did you adjust to that or how did they adjust to you? I think it's a learning curve for both the women and the men. I really do. Um, and I think it's just, it comes down to respect. When I first 
got to the station, I think it's just human nature. Just people get a little bit on defense because it's something that's different. I think personality wise, I I, I tend to be an extrovert. So that helped. Like I just, you know, played the rookie game, but then I still realized that people were uncomfortable, which I know a lot of people coming into that same situation wouldn't realize. I realized that people were uncomfortable. So then I kind of made it a point to try to make people feel comfortable. On top of that, I was lucky enough to have several um, mentors, people who were very well respected in the fire department, who for some reason took a, a liking to me. They respected me as a firefighter. And so they helped kind of be advocates for me throughout the rest of the department. I mean, there was, I mean, and, and nothing is perfect. Everything, you know, it wasn't like smooth. I don't want to give that impression. But I think that because I was willing to be open to uh, people who are different from me. And then I think that um, I had to have the understanding that not only are they going to make mistakes, I'm going to make mistakes too. And so I can't hold everybody, you know, accountable for every little thing they say or do. I would say the biggest adjustment, and it was something that um, I was told before I even started the fire department that I was, I was told it's an argument you'll never win. And uh, that's the argument over the women's bathroom. (sighs) And uh, they're right. (laughs) Um, It is something that, I think it's like one of those unspoken things to me. It's one of those things that like, if you bring it up as a woman, you can, you know, really submarine your career because you don't want to get labeled as someone who's a troublemaker and not going along with the flow, you know, but at the same time as a woman, you want the same respect. And that's what it always came down to for me. And we do have a couple of stations in our fire department that have grown exponentially, but then obviously the, the make of the station is the same. And so those stations set aside, I, I'm not saying that like, like we have certain stations where, Oh God, there's like 10 men and no women and, and one men's bathroom and one women's bathroom. And so in those situations, I'm like, okay, I understand that. But then we have, we also have stations where there's only four people in the station and there's like 15 bathrooms and the guys still use the women's room, you know? And so it's like, it's like, okay, that's to me, that's like a respect issue. And the more I really explain the way women look at that, the more I've seen like, uh, you know, guys like really understand a lot of guys think, Oh, it's just because women are, have a fear of being walked in on. And to me, it's not that like, I don't really care about that. That's not a big deal. It, it usually happens where I have to go into the bathroom. I walk into the bathroom. There's already a guy in there. And then I feel like, oh, I'm in the wrong spot. And then I usually start apologizing like I'm in the wrong place. And then I go outside and stand in the hallway and wait for them to be done using the women's bathroom when they could have easily been using the men's room. And to me, that's, I mean, I don't care if any human being that's, it's a little degrading to have to wait in the hallway as an adult to use the bathroom for somebody else to, you know, and if you really want to like break that down, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the definition of privilege that's saying, well, okay, 
this person has the right to use every bathroom, whatever bathroom they want to use. And then this other person doesn't, they have to wait in the hallway for everyone else to be done and come in. And so that's kind of been something that I, I think that like just the fire department in general could grow on and just kind of realize that it's, it's just about a, re it's a respect thing. It's, 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 it's like, Hey, like, you know, we have these other people here and, there could be, you know, chances where, you know, they show up and you don't know that they're there and they need to, you know, they should have the same rights as everybody else. That's, that's what it comes down to. And so I would say that was probably one of the harder things initially. And I'm at 16 years right now. So now it's just kind of like, all right, it's like you accept it, but that's probably, I think a big step that I think you know, we could take in the fire service. And I, I think it, it's not just my department. Other than the bathroom, can they do the same things they've been doing? And can they say the same things they've been saying, even if there's a woman there now? You know, like to me, I mean, I'm an open book. I think that um, social media and society just lately has created this fear that like, oh, if you say anything, you're going to get in trouble. I hope that it's not true. I think in, there's certain circumstances where people overreact to things. But I also think that for the most part, women that want to be firefighters kind of know what they're getting into. They know that it's male dominated. They know what they're getting into. And so a lot of cursing and all that stuff, like they won't find that any more offensive than say, you know, a guy of a certain religion. And so to like kind of segregate women and say, oh, well, only women are going to be offended is somewhat ridiculous because you honestly don't know who is going to be offended. I think that if you're talking and you don't mean any malice behind it, I think if you say something and somebody does get offended and you didn't really, you know, have anything behind it, you should be able to explain it and talk about it and get rid of it. But I do think that there are people out there who maybe have some thoughts or whatever about women or minorities and they're scared that might come out and that they might get exposed for something. So I, I do think that there's a little bit of that, but I think mostly um, people just have fear of the unknown and it's not just, I mean, it's, I use the bathroom thing as an example, but like definitely like there's a little bit of a, you know, not, it's not, it's not everybody. It's a, a small percentage. I mean, I don't know, like maybe now less than probably 20% of people would be uncomfortable with people who are different than them. And I think that a lot of the times the majority of, of people in a group will just follow whoever the strongest leader is. And so like, if the strongest leader is saying, Hey, this person or whatever who's different is okay, then usually most of the people just kind of go along with that. And so over time, I think, you know, the more women and minorities are on the fire department, that kind of thought process will just go away because you won't think, oh, I can't say anything. Oh, I can't say anything around this person because they might get upset because you've worked with people who are similar, come from similar backgrounds. So you know that, oh, well, that's just not true. That's just something that you know, was a, you know, a fairy tale that was perpetuated throughout the fire department. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, Jennifer Osborne, for talking with me today on Code 3. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you.
And you'll find more about race, gender, and firefighting at our website, code3podcast.com diversity. Go take a look. We are just about done here, but I'd like to remind you that the best way to grow the audience of this podcast is you. If you'll tell one other firefighter about this episode, it's a great way to get them to listen. Podcast audiences grow by word of mouth, and so I'd really appreciate it. Chances are they will too. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.